0: I love that FitBod mixes things up all the time. There's not a single day where I open my app and I'm like, oh, that's lame. I'm always excited to see what my exercises are. It's actually part of my day, part of my lunch break. I open up my app and I see what I get to do for the day and it gets me excited. Hello, everybody. My name is Samantha Schmidt. Welcome to Built, presented by FitBod. Have
1: you ever wondered about the difference between motivation and discipline? On today's show, we meet FitBod FitFan, Samantha Schmidt. She, like many of us, wondered about this very same thing. And today, she shares how she discovered that making a disciplined commitment to health and fitness enabled her to bridge those gaps. Stay tuned.
2: Today we have with us Samantha Schmidt. And the reason that I reached out to Samantha but she made a really interesting post not too long ago about a 90-day undertaking that she had gone through with uh, working out. And we wanted to learn a little bit more about that from her and have her explain kind of the process and what she learned along the way. But we are just going to go ahead and get started with you, Samantha, and just have you introduce yourself.
0: I am located in kind of the middle of the United States in a wonderful place called Missouri. And I discovered Fitbod. A couple of years ago, when my husband had pointed out something, well, we were just trying to find something exciting to do when it came to fitness, because I kept getting bored. Fitness has always been a huge passion, something that I really enjoy. And that's a big part of my life. So not just about FitBot itself, but, you know, I was I'm very active. I've always ran. I've always, not that I enjoy running or I'm good at it, but I have done it. But I've always engaged in some kind of physical activity. That's always been my me time. So I really enjoy just being outside, engaging in nature engaging my body and to see what it can do, um, because I'd like to explore the world. I like to see new places and seek out adventure. I find that life is much more exciting when you're not just doing the same thing all the time. I like to travel a lot. I like to have a wide range of activities. I enjoy just sitting on the couch and reading a book, too. So, I try and have a big range of stuff to do there. I have a couple of kiddos. I have an 11-year-old boy and a three-year-old daughter. Two are huge motivators for me because they get right in there with me and they do it with me. So it's pretty cool to see them learning that fitness is fun for me. I really enjoy that. I have a husband I've been with for, it'll be 11 years this year.
3: Congrats.
0: Coming up, up, yeah. Our anniversary is in November, but we met in April. 11 years this year. But he's very supportive Very good friend. Not just a husband, but we start off as friends and I think that's what keeps us so strong. So big part of my life. I'm a therapist. So I work on a couple online platforms. I've been in various community settings, but I sit around and chat with people all day long about various issues they may have going on. I try to give them the support and encouragement that they need. So you say that you've always
2: been like really interested in fitness and that's something that's a big part of your life. So where did that start? Was that part of your like childhood? Did you have people that you look to as role models? Like how did that become part of your life? Tell us that
0: story. Yeah, fitness has always been a big part of my life because my parents got me enrolled in sports when I was very young. So I think I was like four or five participating in soccer when I was young. But I also watched my mom do physical activity when I was very young. And some of those pictures I don't remember, but she has photographs of us being in the living room and she's exercising and I'm smiling and cheering her on. So I've always seen it as like this fun thing that you can do. And then throughout my childhood, I continued to be engaged in sports, whether that was with the kiddie soccer Sports that are played. And then when I was younger, I got into high school sports. So I did pretty much everything my school would offer. So basketball, volleyball, tennis, cheerleading. I was on a swim team outside of school. I have did mixed martial arts, just regular kickboxing. Um, I did lots of different stuff. Now I say I did mixed martial arts, but I never got myself to get in that cage. Just couldn't do it, but it was super fun to train for it. (laughs) Was there ever a point in your life where you lost that part of yourself? Did you feel like you had to come back to it? I know
2: a lot of people when we have kids and things get busy, like that part of yourself just kind of like
0: falls to the wayside. So did that happen to you? And how did you come back around to it? That's absolutely what happened. I think it really started to happen when I got enrolled in graduate school. I was working 40 hours a week, and then I went to college in the evenings from like 4 or 5 p.m. until like 10 p.m. So I was in school five, six hours a night, and I worked eight hours a day. So that was really challenging. And I started at that point, I was getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I would exercise, and I did it, but kind of inconsistently. But I think what happened is I just kind of had to adjust to adult life, which means You're not having fun in college anymore. You have like this nine to five job you have to do, which is okay because I was in a career I liked, but I got busy with just general life stuff. So I started working full time. And then when I got pregnant and had my child, obviously that takes up a huge portion of time. So the time I thought I was going to get back from not being in college, I spent being a parent. So I think that slowed down a lot for me right then because I felt guilty. I couldn't take time to go to the gym. I couldn't take time to go do sports because I should be at home because I'm already working all the time. So I felt it was almost like a bad thing. So when did you decide that it was time to bring that back into your life? I think there was this, well, so it goes kind of back and forth, but I never lost the passion for it. I still loved it. I always enjoyed it. Anytime I went to a class, anytime I had a friend say, hey, let's start exercising together. Let's do this. I know, you know what you're doing. So my friends would always just kind of say, Hey, I'm going to show up at your house. or so we're going to go to the gym and you're just going to show me what to do. Like, okay, no problem. So I enjoyed that, but I would never make it priority. I always prioritize everything else over that, which I don't really regret. I don't regret that at all, but I do hate that. I didn't take that time for myself anymore. So I think eventually what hit me was I was doing the same thing all the time. And I caught myself, I was like getting out of breath doing things I would normally would do. And I'm like, what is this? Why am I like feeling like this? And I just sort of noticed I was getting grumpy more. I was kind of getting impatient. I wasn't enjoying being at home as much. So I kind of tapped into those therapy skills that I use with my own clients and did an assessment and said, okay, what's going on? And realized that I was missing out on a big part of my life, which is, it's a big piece of me. And I wasn't allowing myself to engage in that anymore.
2: I think so many people will be able to relate to that. I think that's something that so many of us fall into that trap of feeling guilty about taking time for yourself to do the things that you love.
3: You mentioned that you're a therapist during this pandemic. How have you seen mental health and exercise those issues? Because I know a lot of people stopped exercising during the pandemic. I know (laughs) mental health issues have gone up. What can you share with us? You being a, a professional in this area. And it's correlation with exercise.
0: I've really seen polar opposites there. A lot of my clients were able to be like, hey, I got all this time at home, so now I'm going to dig into this. I'm going to spend all this time I want prepping my meals and engaging in exercise. But then I also have experienced individuals who really struggle to get going because they don't do well with being crammed in the house all the time. And it's difficult Mm -hmm. to feel motivated to go out and participate in these activities and do these different things when you don't have that support from other people, right? So if you're stuck in your house all the time and you don't have your yoga class to go to, or you don't have your cycling class to go to, or the gyms are closing, it's much harder to get motivated inside your home. Now, if we relate Mm -hmm. that specifically to our mental health, a lot of people started getting depressed. And when we get depressed, we are not motivated to do anything. A lot of people have this idea that people who are depressed just need to get over it, just... Get up and do something, but it doesn't work mm-hmm. like that. It doesn't work like that. It's our brain literally telling us I can't. The brain sort of does its mm-hmm. thing and tells us to just sleep all the time or eat or do what it takes to feel better. But exercise isn't one of those things typically. So, some of what I experienced as activity levels would decline, clients would indicate I'm feeling worse, my anxiety is bad, I'm not sleeping mm-hmm. good. And not with every person, but with a lot of individuals, I've seen a very high correlation with increase in activity. And decrease in anxiety and depression.
1: I absolutely experience that. I know that when my activity level drops, when my uh, persistence at the gym things become more difficult mentally. So yeah, I can agree with you there. I'm curious when the pandemic hit. First of all, how long have you been back and hitting the gym hard and using Fitbod?
0: Well, so right when the pandemic hit, I was actually working in the community, and my boss had said, "Hey, we're going to start working from home." Said okay. So I started working from home and I was like, all right, I got time to like run and I can do some push ups and sit ups and all I have is some dumbbells. So I was getting kind of bored with it, but I wasn't necessarily comfortable going to the gym, especially my daughter was only like a year and a half at that time. So I didn't want to expose anything to her. I didn't have to. I was trying to figure out what in the world I was going to do. And my husband's like, why don't we just buy a home gym? So it was expensive, but it was an investment. Right. So when I talk about going to the gym, I'm actually sitting at home in my own gym. And it's kind of funny because our home gym, it's actually our dining room that we just decided was going to be a gym instead of a dining room. So our kitchen, we just have a small table (laughs) and that's enough for our four family household. Now, when company comes over, we just kind of eat wherever we have to. But it made more sense to us. And our lifestyle to have a gym that I was going to actively use on a regular basis. It was good coping mechanism, but it was much more realistic and healthy for us to use that space for that versus just moving the kitchen into another room and taking up space.
1: I'm curious, like, what did you get? What, what did you buy for your home gym?
0: It's a Marcy. It has the Smith machine, which is like my favorite exercise on FitBot to use. So it has a pulley cables in that, and then it even has a bottom pulley and the top. So it provides lots of different things we can do. But I also have an elliptical and a treadmill. And I got a bike, which I just got a brand new bike. That was my 90-day prize reward for myself was a nice mountain bike to go and purchase. So I've been riding that pretty regularly. So did you already have the FitBot app when you decided to invest in the home gym? Which came first, the home gym or the app? It was the app first. So we purchased the app and I just put some of the dumbbell exercises in there and then some of the floor stuff. And then when the home gym came in, but I wasn't really using FitBod consistently at first. It was just kind of this like, oh, okay, that's fun. It's like I'm an online personal trainer on to pay all this money. I could do this thing here, but I didn't use it consistently. But when we got the home gym, I definitely used it way more because it was much more exciting I love that Fitbod mixes things up all the time. There's not a single day where I open my app and I'm like, oh, that's lame. I'm always excited to see what my exercises are. It's actually part of my day, part of my lunch break. I don't give myself much time for lunch break. 15, 30 minutes, usually all I get. And part of that is I open up my app and I see what I get to do for the day and it gets me excited. It's getting the home gym helped kind of motivate me to use the app more. And here recently I've been decorating. A lot more in the home gym, putting motivational stuff up. I just got like a Rocky Balboa poster. That's pretty cool. I love Rocky Balboa. (laughs) So do you find yourself using the app? Has it helped you
2: teach you how to do exercises with that new piece of equipment?
0: I would say at least because I exercise seven days a week and I would say at least four days a week, I have to watch the videos because it's either something new or something that I've only been done a couple of times. So the videos I found are extremely helpful for me. Sometimes. Prior to using FitBot, I would like look up exercises or see stuff on YouTube or TikTok. And then I would start doing them like this doesn't feel right. I don't know what I'm doing here. So FitBot definitely helped me get a wider range of knowledge of what I can do. Because prior to that, I just would have did like just normal like squats or something. I wouldn't have known that you can do all these different things. That's great. Your husband and you both
2: researched the app, you said. So is he also a FitBot member? Does he (laughs) use the app as well? Do you guys
0: work out together and use it? We do occasionally. That was our original plan. We don't do it as much. He has to leave the house at three o'clock in the morning. So by the time he gets home, he has a very high labor job. So he's not all that motivated to work out more. (laughs) But on the weekends a lot, we do often work out together and it is a fun couple activity to do. And it's really cool because our three-year-olds will come in there. Sometimes the 11-year-old, every now and then my 11-year-old will show some kind of interest and Zach will kind of work with him and show him what to do correctly. And then my three-year-old just comes in there, which is cute because she'll call out things that I'm doing, which I found funny the other day. I was doing squats and she's, oh, squats, huh? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) How did you know what that is? (laughs) It was cute. So yeah, we do it together occasionally, but not every day.
3: How long after finding the app did you find the community?
0: Uh, It was almost a whole year before I found the community. I was just like, playing around on the app and trying to explore new things on there because I had started using it more. And I found Mm -hmm. on there, it said Fitbod Community on the bottom. So I looked at it and I was like, oh, there's like a whole page for this.
3: That's where we obviously know each other from. And you started this 90 day challenge. What was all that about? What sparked that?
0: Well, I think it's probably the best thing I've done for myself in a long time. What initially sparked it on the FitBod community, someone, I remember it was a Monday, someone had posted on there, you know, what's your motivation for this week? And Michael actually had, and I had it in quotations, I can't find my paper, but he had talked about self-discipline and how self discipline is where we are going to thrive because it's the continuance of doing whatever activity we set ourselves to do with the lack of motivation but it hit me because i constantly go back and forth with that i even have an accountability partner that i've had for well over a year and i check in with her every single day we send each other our exercises we keep this little like star chart we actually call it sweating for stars and we get rewards after we get so many stars and i I noticed with her, one of the things I struggled was I just didn't stay motivated um, because it's so fleeting. One day I'm motivated and then the next day I'm stressed out or I have a difficult day at work or my kid's sick or I'm sick or I just don't feel like it. And then I make up an excuse and that motivation loses its power. He had given that kind of intro. He said, decide on something and do that for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Um, And what hit me was the psychological standpoint, right? We can create a habit in 30 days. But generally, we create a lifestyle in 90. If I do something consistently for 90 days, it becomes a part of your life and it's common. And I can consistently say today will be 111 days of exercise. I still haven't stopped. The 90 days is my goal, but I still haven't stopped. I do do a couple days of like active rest, which I catch a lot of slack for. But I give myself five days of lifting, five days of activity, and then I give myself some light cardio and stretching, foam rolling, yoga, something like that.
1: Yeah, you and me both. I practice the same type of schedule. I just find it so much easier if every day is a day that I work something physical. Now, one of those days may be a recovery day where I'm doing active stretching or something. I have to give credit to Jocko Wilnick, who introduced me to the concept of discipline equals freedom, wrote a book called Discipline Equals Freedom, The Field Manual. And he is an absolute hero of mine. That's where that came from.
2: So when you first started out, Samantha, what in your mind did you commit? Did you commit that you wanted to do something for 90 days? And what did you set out to commit to doing each day in order to check that box for the day?
0: I just told myself I was going to go in and use the app and exercise every day for the next 90 days. I didn't designate it a certain time. Because I knew what would happen there is I would wake up and I would feel overwhelmed and anxious and then I wouldn't get to it. There were some days where I only got 15 minutes in, but it was still creating the habit of moving. It was still psychologically doing its job. What I really did is just I got into the app and I made myself do whatever exercises there. Now, there were some days where when I wasn't motivated as much or I just got tired of following the routines that I didn't want to. So I set up what I call the rainy day Exercise on there, which is just I'm going to do walking or I'm going to do running. And then I do push ups and sit ups and squats. And I'm getting my heart rate up. I'm moving. I'm doing something for 20, 30 minutes. But, you know, really what I just committed to was I'm going to exercise every day for the next 90 days because I love exercise. I feel better when I exercise. I'm more capable of doing things when I exercise. And the people around me generally like me better too (laughs) when I'm exercising. So (laughs) that's a benefit. And I had a lot of people tell me it wasn't going to happen. I remember I would say at least half the people that I told it to was like, you're crazy. There ain't no way. What if you get sick? What if something happens? Even my husband was like, ha, 90 days, that's three months. I'm like, yeah, I know. And I have a very competitive spirit. So automatically I was like, well, Game on then. <laughs> yeah. Love it. I'm the same way. You tell me that I can't do something
2: and it motivates me even more mm-hmm. to want to achieve that. What were some of the high points in that 90
0: days? And what were some of the low points?
2: And how did you deal with each of those?
0: The high points that I experienced was honestly seeing my body's ability to lift more, to do more. And I know I mentioned running earlier. It's I have this love hate relationship with it. I like to run. I feel freedom in it, but then sometimes I'm just like, ugh. This is terrible. Who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> Why did I want to do this? Big thing that I noticed was my ability to run. When I first started before this 90 day challenge, when I started running, I could run for maybe two to four minutes and then I had to stop. I couldn't do it. So I started using Fitbod more regularly. And then, you know, it's probably about a month or so into using Fitbod, I was on the treadmill and I was running and I had just done my like, oh, I'm just going to run for five minutes and then stop and then run for five minutes again and stop. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to see what I can do. I'm going to push myself. And I ran over a mile and I was at 20 something minutes before I stopped. And it was just like this huge rush, like huge adrenaline rush, had a smile on my face the whole day. Cause I was like, this is why I'm doing it. Cause my body can do these things. If I really push myself to do it, my body's capable. I'm in charge of what my body does beyond the things that occur that it's out of our control. My body's capable of doing something. And that was the biggest high point there. Some of the other high points too was just being able to see myself develop this habit that even when I said the 90 day, it was like, yeah, it is a lot. There's a little bit of that self-doubt that creeped in. So one of the other things that, that really helped me was just being able to see that I am capable of doing these things and seeing like the, I was at 45 days and I was like, wow, I'm halfway there. It's incredible. And then my daughter started asking me on a regular basis, are we going to exercise today, mom? And for me, I was like, I'm teaching her. She's watching me every single day. Kids learn by what we show them, not what we tell them. They learn minimal from what we tell them. They don't care. They're going to do what we, <laughs> what we show them. So my daughter started asking me on a regular basis, we going to exercise today. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to show her what you're capable of doing if you try. And I'm going to show her that your body can do whatever you teach it to do and that it is fun and it's enjoyable and it's not this, I have to do this today type thing. That was a definite high. I did see some change in my body, full disclosure. I struggle with the poor body image like a lot of people do. One of the things that I kind of did struggle with is with a low was seeing the numbers on the scale because I would get very disappointed. I'd get on there and be like, oh. I'm 45 days in, I'm this many days in, I've been eating healthier, I've been doing these things. And the scale wouldn't move to where I wanted to do. It did move, it did move, but not to where I had hoped. And that was kind of a low point, but my husband was awesome. He jumped right in there and he said, hey, get off the scale, quit worrying about it. Your body's gonna do what you're showing it to do. Your body's going to cooperate with you. You just keep working at it. You're doing an incredible job. You're almost at your 90 days. Quit worrying about the scale. If you keep doing this, there's no way your body's not going to change. That was a huge like, okay, yeah, you're right. This doesn't happen overnight. And I did see some definition and stuff in my arms, which I'm not a fan of the before and after pictures just because it contributes to a lot of issues. It's very triggering for a lot of people. So I don't really do that, but I could see some change, but I think that was probably the lowest point. Um, Then there was some different stuff that happened. I lost a few people, like three or four people. Within that three-month period, going through grief and loss, it's not an easy thing to do. It's one of the hardest things in the world. But I was able to say, I'm going to still exercise. I'm not going to let this stop me. And it became that dopamine rush that I needed. <laughs> it became that healthy coping skill for me to engage in versus emotional leading. Sitting around and giving myself an excuse to dig into the Little Debbie Cakes. <laughs> Instead, I exercised and it felt good. There was a couple times I was sick. And on those days... Whether I was coughing my head off or what, I just said, I just have to get up. I just have to stretch. I just have to move. I got to keep going. But I think the highs definitely outweighed the lows.
3: Awesome. You mentioned at the beginning you had people who were doubting you. What are they thinking now? Because you've been at 111 days.
0: Their eyes pop out of their head, normally. (laughs) I tell them I'm at that and they're very impressed and they're kind of like, I can never do that. I don't know how you do that. So almost like disbelief, but a lot of people are very proud of me. I have an awesome group of friends, a wonderful support system, great family. I didn't have anyone that made fun of me, anyone that downplayed what I did. Everybody was very loving and supportive and proud of me for what I did. But a lot of people were still in that disbelief of like, wow, that was hard. I'm proud of you for doing that. That was a pretty good feeling.
3: You know, something else from the FitBot community that I saw a post of yours You mentioned the book titled The End of Overeating, and something that caught my attention was what the author spoke about, sugar, fat, and salts, what it does to our brains. Can you elaborate on that?
0: Yeah, that was a fascinating book. I picked it up because I was trying to find just different self-help books. One of the goals I set for myself was to read more self-help books to build up my overall quality of life. And I found that book by accident and the title intrigued me and I started reading it and I was like, oh, it actually talks about some of the scientific stuff here. When the author goes in to talk about the sugar, fat, and salt, he first starts to give some different examples of how the food industry uses those three ingredients to get our attention, to activate our taste buds, and to create this addiction in our brain. So sugar specifically, tons and tons of studies on it. Sugar reacts in the brain the same way a lot of drugs do. So sugar activates opioid Mm -hmm. receptors. You have this person who struggles with a drug addiction and can't stop. A lot of individuals struggle with food addictions. And it's the same way. Because the brain is saying, hey, we like this, give me more. Um, We have a dopamine rush when we get that sugar intake. But I don't understand necessarily the scientific components of it. It's been a little bit since I read the book. But the sugar, fat, and salt combination, it works together to create this intense desire for us. So take a, a simple example, right? Let's say, I don't know, some kind of salted caramel, I don't know, cheesecake. So we take salts, right? And then we take caramel, which is loaded with sugar. And then we take cheesecake, which is loaded in sugar and fat. And all those tastes appeal to our taste buds. So it makes us want it that much more. The same reason we take hot wings and we dip them in blue cheese or ranch because we're taking salts and we're taking sugar from the sauce and then we're dipping it in the fat. So lots of different ways that food becomes such an issue in society, but food industries are very much aware of it without calling anybody out. They're aware that. They know that's what the audience wants. So they push that. It's fascinating. If you loved this book and read through it all, what were some of your major takeaways? Did it change the way that you look and interact with food? The biggest thing that I took away from it was overeating is not a behavior choice. It is a biological challenge. There's a lot of people who struggle with eating disorders. There's a lot of people who struggle with just food addictions. I'm probably one of those people myself. If I see something I want, that chocolate chip cookie, my mouth's going to water until I get it. Right? So my biggest takeaway was this isn't my fault. I'm not weak. I'm not pathetic, which is some of the internal dialogue that I used to tell myself. This is just my brain doing what it's supposed to do. My brain knows that there's sugar, fat, and salt right there on that table and it wants it. So the biggest takeaway I got from it was the literal control that some of these foods have over us as individuals. And I don't know why, but the book even goes into details that there's some individuals who don't struggle as much and some do, but I really liked too that it gives you a plan. So it doesn't just talk about it as a problem. It also says, here's how we fight it. And I really like that. So after I had read the book, I actually came up with my own treatment plan from the book that I wrote out for myself to use, which the author gives you some advice and stuff on. So it was really cool. Like it talks about ways to overcome it is to make a plan. So if you're going to come across a food that's challenging for you, that it's addicting for you, then find something else to do. Get up, distract yourself, get it out of your eyesight because it's not going to stop unless it gets out of your view. Remove those items from your home. It talks about scheduled eating, right? Make sure you prepare your meals. You know what you're going to eat. If you're going to a restaurant that you're going to be more tempted to eat something unhealthy, make a plan of these are foods I can have. These are foods I can't. Even now, one of the things I will do is when we go out to eat, I'll generally tell my husband, okay, I'm really craving this, but I know I don't need it. Or I really want a soda, but I know I don't need that soda. So I'm only getting water. So I have that accountability, which is never condescending. It's never rude or anything like that. It's just, hey how's that water? (laughs) That was my biggest takeaway, I think, from it is that it gives you a plan to actually address it.
2: So do you follow any sort of eating plan other than that? Do you have any sort of structured diet? I try
0: to prepare my plan, my meals, like my lunches, because I work from home. So it's a little easier for me to snack throughout the day. So I have to be very careful with that. So what I try and do is I make sure and I have stuff in the refrigerator that I can have. I can have cheese sticks. I can have fresh fruit. I can have those things in between Dinner in between lunch and dinner and in between breakfast and lunch, I can have a small stack just to appease that appetite. But not with unhealthy stuff, because it's just gonna feed that addiction even more. Every time you give in to that addiction, you reinforce it and it becomes a bigger problem. Really, I try to spend some time planning out my meals throughout the weekend. I got the fancy food containers, so I just throw those in the fridge and that's normally what I have. I don't really have a structured specific diet that I follow, I wouldn't say. Sounds like you have a very
2: healthy relationship and are trying to like just feel it out as you go. You talked a little bit earlier about something that I think a lot of people can relate to and I think it's that struggle with the scale and kind of the idea of what we have around those numbers on the scale and how you could work through that with your husband a little bit. Do you still use the scale as a measure of success? And if not, how do you measure your success as you're working out? What are the things that you use to measure your progress?
0: Well, the right answer would be no, (laughs) but the true answer is yes. I still want to see that number go lower. I still want to have a lower BMI, which is way outdated years ago anyway, but I would still like my numbers to be lower. And sometimes I impulsively jump on the scale and look. But if I'm disappointed by that number, I remind myself of the true success, which is, hey, let's look at FitBod. Let's look at how many pounds you lifted last week. Let's look at your fitness levels. Let's look at what you're becoming capable of doing. Even the other day I was lifting, I think it was only like a 20 pound weight, but my husband was like, "That's." a pretty large amount for you to be lifting when you started with like eight. I, those are the things that I could try and focus on is what is my body physically capable of doing? And then what am I enjoying? I don't think I shared earlier, but I know I didn't share it earlier, but something important that really grabbed my attention. So I went to an amusement park with my family. And while I was there, it's up and down hills all day long. It was very hot and At one point in time, I got dizzy. I started feeling sick. I had a headache and I sat down. I checked my Apple Watch and my heart rate was all over the place. I was sitting down on the floor for an hour and it was still 135. So I knew something was wrong. I probably should have gone to the doctor. I didn't (laughs) go to the doctor for heart rates doing that. (laughs) But I did not. But that was a big moment that I had to do something. If I want to be able to go to Six Flags with my family and have fun, if I want to be able to chase my daughter around and ride a bike with her and go on hikes and do all these trips, if I don't want to die of a heart attack at a very young age, then I have to do something. The women in my family, heart disease is very common. So it's something that I have to very much be aware of. And I have to take very good care of my body because that's the only way I'm going to be able to accomplish that. So, you know, that moment was very eye opening, And I bring my success a lot of times back to, hey, You're chasing your daughter around in the backyard and you're going on bike rides and you're able to run with a stroller with a 28-pound child and you're not dying. So you're doing okay.
3: That's awesome because as we get older, we do it for them, for the kids and obviously for ourselves as well. But when I look at my daughters and they want to do what daddy does, it's inspiring. It keeps us motivated. You mentioned the heart disease runs in your family. How do you monitor that? Do you get regular checkups? Do you stay on top of that?
0: Yeah, I definitely just go to my doctor on a regular basis, at least every year for a checkup, and she checks everything out and makes sure I'm okay. But I'm also well aware of some of those signs and stuff of a heart attack. And if I start feeling any of those, I'm conscious of that. And this is something, that six flag strip that I talked about where my heart rate went crazy. That is something I brought up to my doctor, which she said, you were probably just overworked you were too hot. So it was probably related to both being overweight, doing too much activity and being hot. I just maintain contact with my doctor about those things. And I am I listen to my body. I pay attention to what it tells me. And if there's anything concerning, then I make an appointment. But I too try to pay attention to what kind of stuff I'm putting in my body so that I'm not making the probability of myself having a heart attack even higher.
2: That's such a powerful experience that you shared with us. Thank you so much for sharing that. So have you reflected on that as you've participated in other activities with your family and noticed the difference and felt proud of yourself for the change that you've made?
0: Oh, absolutely. I can't believe me. remember where we went, but we went somewhere together and I was really excited because I was like, man, and we were out there for a long time and I was moving around and I was actively playing with my daughter and I didn't feel out of breath. I didn't feel uncomfortable at all. There was just your normal, okay, this is heavy work. I'm on my feet because I sit for eight hours a day as a therapist, sometimes 10 hours a day, depending on my sessions. So it was nice to be able to just go out and have fun with my family and not feel like you know, I need to sit down and rest or anything like that. I could just do what everybody else is doing.
2: So I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned earlier that I was curious about. You said that you have a rainy day workout that you would do on the days that you weren't feeling like super motivated. So is that actually something that you created in the app and actually saved? Is that one that you repeat?
0: I just have two. I have my rest day workout and then I have my rainy day. I'm sure as I go along, I'll create more. But yeah, the rainy day workout was something like, okay, I need to get my body moving. I don't really feel like it, but I'm not prepped for a rest day yet because I already had one. So yeah, the rainy day exercise was something I added in there myself, something I knew I didn't mind to do those exercises. For the most part, I enjoyed them. And it was just something to get me moving that I was willing to do beyond the extensive overwhelming list of exercises sometimes that are given on Fitbit, which is my own fault because I set up the time to be as long as I do.
1: We're talking about the rainy day workout. Is that a profile or is that a saved workout?
0: It's just a saved workout that I have.
1: I haven't used saved workouts a whole lot. I've done the Jonica Let's Workout Together where (laughs) we share a workout and I click a link and I can save that link somewhere. But is there a way that in the app you can recall that saved workout?
0: Sure. So what I do to get to that rainy day workout is I just go, I open up the FitBot app and then I click on the workout link, right? And then at the top of the page, top of the I use an iPhone. So top of my phone where it says your gym, I click to the left where there's a little dumbbell with a plus on it. And then I can either create a new or I can go to saved workouts. And that's where I select either my rest day exercise or my rainy day exercise.
1: Okay. That's great. I'm learning saved workouts. So it's a tab at the top and it looks like I haven't saved any workouts. So I need to use this feature. I'm learning something every day. Thank you, Samantha.
2: Oh, Samantha, we've really enjoyed the time that you've spent with us here. And I'm just wondering if there's anything that you would like to leave as your final takeaway, something that you would like to share with people about your experience and your journey thus far.
0: When I started this 90 day journey, I caught a lot of slack from a lot of people. There was a lot of nasty dialogue going on into my own head about what if these things happen? You're not going to do this. You never follow through. And what I had to remember was that I listened to my own voice stronger than anyone else's. So if I told myself I could do this, then I could do it. There isn't any excuse in the book that I can use to get myself to that place where, oh, I can't do it. I'm not able to do this because I've learned through this 90 day challenge that if I put my mind to it and I just move my body, then I stay in that good habit and I'm not getting into the place where you're on again, off again. With the activity, maintain your habits, even if it's 20 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. Don't listen to that internal dialogue that's nasty and terrible. Switch it up. Challenge yourself. Build yourself up. Go to your support system. Remind yourself of your motivations. Remember why you want to do it.
2: Fabulous advice. I think all of us can learn from that advice.
0: It's been wonderful to learn a little bit more about
2: you. And I know that lots of people will be inspired by your journey and the things that you've shared. So thank you. Thanks so much. You're welcome.
0: Thank you.
1: Thanks to our listeners. Check out the show notes at fitbod.me podcast for all the details from this episode. Download the FitBod app from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Use the promo code BUILT for a 14-day free trial. We'd love to hear from you. Leave us a comment and a rating on your favorite podcast network. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.